The Get This Podcast is brought to you by ProPhotoGo.com, professional photography on demand. Use coupon code GETTHIS to get 10% off your professional photo session. So whether you need new headshots or you have a big event coming up, an engagement, a wedding, you name it, or let's say you just want new photos so you can look snazzy on social media, ProPhotoGo is professional photography on demand. Use coupon code GETTHIS and get 10% off. Go to ProPhotoGo.com. The Get This Podcast is also brought to you by the best WordPress hosting available, WP Engine. People who know me know I build enterprise-level WordPress websites that are seen by millions of people a year, and I host all of my websites with WP Engine. They're a company based in Austin, Texas. They have outstanding support, and I personally couldn't recommend them more. If you go to getthispodcast.com, look for the WP Engine link and get 20% off your first year of exceptional, fast, secure WordPress hosting at WP Engine. Again, go to getthispodcast.com and look for the WP Engine link for 20% off. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Kautzman with the Get This Podcast, the show about things people love. And I'm coming to you from New York City. It's Monday, March 4th, 2019, and I'm joined by a friend of mine from the Twitter sphere, Peniel Collada. Kirsten English is here with me uh, on Skype. Hey Kirsten, how you doing? Hello, Kevin. <laughs> I'm really good tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you again. You were a guest on in front of the show of the of Righteous Yammer, my previous podcast with Mr. Kelly, and it's great to have you back. You do the, these amazing psychedelic art pieces uh, that end up on the web and make a lot of noise. I would say in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and just to get right to cut right to the chase, people can find your work under. Peniel Collada on Twitter and I believe Instagram too, correct? Right, yeah. The Peniel Collada on Instagram, just Peniel Collada on Twitter. Yeah, very psychedelic and trippy and diverse and interesting. And you like to do these sort of wavy lines of light, which are maybe reminiscent of a, of a certain state of mind that one gets into. And then it's fun, too, because you put them quite literally on the mushrooms or, or <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you seem to, you admire the mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I admire the mushroom. I remember the waves coming off of it, coming off of everything I'm trying to capture. I'm all, I'm all about the waves. Um, and where are you... Where are you coming from? You're in BC, correct? You're way on the West Coast. Right. I'm in a village in New Ianch, BC. It's 4 p.m. here. The sun's still up. Um, a little snowy. It snowed here in New York, too, last evening. And, uh, you know, I'm from North Dakota, so it, it doesn't phase me whatsoever. Okay. But they went and they closed the schools 
So the whole city basically gets a, an impromptu, you know, break. Not the whole city, but I mean, all the kids. So it really changes the com- the complexion of what the day looks like out on the street. And then I got out there, and it's like all melted, perfectly sunny. Like nothing was wrong. It's it just quite literally. I think sometimes somebody just gets an idea in their head, and you know, and I get that people are you know commuting in, and the trains have a problem. But I, you know, I think it's just maybe a time of year where they go, okay, let's give everybody a day here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> let's just all stay home. It's not enough to celebrate in February. Yeah, well, it's March now, but I yeah, but I know what you're yeah yeah I know what you're saying. It's like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. No, it's all right. Um. So I will put the <laughs> I'll put the piece that you made for me uh, in the show notes, and uh, so people will be able to see it, um, which is super cool. It's it's um, me uh, on the subway platform, and you made it look really awesome, and uh, I really appreciate that surprise. It's fun, um, and you sent some really cool pieces of media here. Uh, let's talk about the first one, uh, which to my mind is is the the piece about the it's like a, it's like a five minute segment about this village or this town this ghost town somewhere in in bc do you want to talk about that right yeah what's the story behind that two hours away okay yeah um yeah right now i can't believe i thought it was february still (laughs) (laughs) when when i when i started when i started this podcast i said it was 2018 it was definitely 2019 but it was (laughs) it was still january so I get a pass. You get a pass through January. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're fine. Right. You're fine. Up to speed. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, there's two hours from here. Pretty much a dirt road. It's called the Kitsalt Mine. Um, it was from 1979 until 1983, like a very short window. It was like a booming mine town. They were mining uh, molyb- molybdenum. Yeah, molybdenum. It sounded made up. It's a re- it's a real thing. <laughs> it looks made up. Yeah. <laughs> so, molybdenum prices crashed in 1982, and they pretty much took back the houses from everybody, cut them all checks, and got them out of there right away. And if they didn't leave, they had to be escorted by the police. Whoa. Um. <clears throat> yeah, they got everybody out. And it sat just with the power on and just basically still like that for 30 years. Um, in it, there's a, like a shopping mall, a hospital, almost 100 houses, a few apartment buildings, community center, bowling alley, like one of everything, basically. <laughs> right. It's just uh, a little got, made up town. <laughs> yeah. They got one of everything, shoved it all together. Um, and then, so it just sat like that with the, with the, yeah, lights on for 30 years. And in 2004, it was bought by a American businessman. Apparently it was like $5 million cash. Wow. He just bought it unseen too. He saw it in, saw it in an ad. You know, this is ridiculous, but it's just like, I mean, it's not just like, but it's like Schitt's Creek where they, they own the town. Ah. They own the town. Yeah. How is this? I mean, this guy, he, he says, that town, I want that. What? <laughs> what is that? Even? Of course, nobody was living there. So, I mean, it's all for sale, but very strange. Yeah. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it's population one, which is that guy. And I don't believe he lives there. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure he lives in Texas. That is that is wild. And uh, to, <laughs> to be clear, I will put this video that we're referencing. It's just five minutes long. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. Uh, you'll be able to find it. I, I think the guy, the gentleman is, I think he was maybe originally Canadian, or he, he went to school in Canada, 
anyway, it's all it's all in there. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. What's what's the name of the the, the town again? It's Kitsalt, so it's K I T S A U L T. Kitsalt. Kitsalt. Yeah, and I'm looking up molybdenum and molybdenum. <laughs> <laughs> that say that ten times fast. Molybdenum. I mean, and you look at the word, and it, it's even stranger when you actually look at it. Uh, very. You don't usually see a Y, a B, and a D together like that. They don't usually hang out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it looks like Welsh. Um, but this is so interesting. It's a, a, a silvery white metal that is ductile and highly resistant to corrosion. One of the highest melting points of all pure elements. Only the elements tantalum and tungsten have higher melting points. Molybd- molybdenum is also a micronutrient essential for life. Huh. Weird. No idea. Yeah, but apparently they use it in, in uh, steel production. Um so what a wild story, right? So they sort of invent this city to house these miners who are working at the molybdenum, <laughs> molybdenum uh, mine. And then it all, and this is in the 70s, and then it all falls apart and the place sits empty. And then this businessman says, I'm, I'm buying the whole town. That's really the summary of the story, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he was hoping, he's put, he's put millions into, he's going to put more. He's hoping to turn it into a place for scientists. Like he's, it's close to the public, but he wants to bring in scientists, engineers, artists. He wants them to live in like this kind of like a biodome without the dome, like just this perfect <laughs> utopia together in this little little village and nestled in the mountains. There, uh, they're turning it <laughs> yeah. into a musical this year. A couple guys from Ontario. It's going to be Kitzelt the musical about this guy <laughs> yeah. doing this. Oh, that's darling. That's fun. The whole thing, I believe, yeah. Have you have you ever heard <laughs> of? Uh, I don't know that I'll ever write a musical, but maybe one day I will. I mean, I, I would write the the book for it. But uh, have you ever heard of the Killdozer? No, I have oh, not. Oh, that's something I'll share back to you. Uh, the the, the <laughs> Killdozer was this vehicle um, that a man somewhere in the United States a, a few years back um, he. He was upset. Um, yeah, Marvin Hemeyer, uh, and he uh, he. I think he ran like a fabrication. Yeah, he was a welder, and he and and he, he owned an automobile muffler repair shop, and there was some zoning stuff going on that essentially was going to put him out of business. Uh, they were repairing a road or something to that effect, and he kept going to the council. You know, and they kept ignoring his entreaties until finally he holed himself up inside of his little welding space or whatever with a bulldozer and made himself a a, uh, a homemade tank essentially, and went on this insane spree and he bulldozed uh, City Hall in this small town. <laughs> he went completely off the rails and. Uh, he went on a rampage. Nobody got killed. I don't even know if anybody got hurt. Uh, but then he, That's you know, great. he blocked. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's 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 sort of <laughs> wacky. Uh, and he, yeah, but he 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 ended up, you know, killing himself at the end of his little spree. Um, but it's it's just I just love that story so much. It, oh, he it, yeah, he killed himself at the end of it. But I'm just, I, but hear me out. Killdozer the musical. 
you know, a, a, a musical about a man who's been pushed too far. It'd be like, uh, <laughs> it'd be like um, falling down, but but with songs <laughs> based on a real guy. No, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm surprised I've never heard that story. Uh, yeah, well, you've heard it here now. I'll uh, I'll put that link in the show notes. That's something that uh, I just I think it's such a great example again of just like somebody who's had enough, and uh, he's he. It happened in Colorado. Um, and the killdozer itself is kind of amazing. A lot of like, uh, you, you look up pictures, it's incredible. Yeah, I don't know if you're seeing it, but the, uh, a lot of like libertarian and like anarchist Twitter celebrates killdozer day. It's uh, it's the day where you remember really? this, this guy who, who just had enough. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out on so much. Well, no, it's fine. And, and you're turning, and you're turning me on to this quirky Kitzolt uh, thing. I wonder how that musical is going to turn out. <laughs> There's a couple updates on YouTube. If anybody knows, wow, just looked into it. Maybe are oh, you looking into yeah. the Killdozer? Yeah, like the construction site vehicle armed with a iron house on top. Yeah, he lovely. Don't <laughs> fuck with welders. I think is the message. <laughs> right. I mean, that guy is that guy was handy. What a very very strange thing! It's 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 obviously a terrible that um, uh, that it ended in a, in a suicide. That's that's terrible. Um, yeah, but it just stuck around to celebrate something. I, I think I think he would have gone away for a very long time. Uh, yeah, so fascinating. <laughs> He's. I was in right. Yeah, I think I think he probably went a little um, uh, little off the rails. Yeah, he said. Um, God built me for this job, Himer said in the first recording. He also said it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out such an attack. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, who yeah, as soon as as soon as people start thinking God's telling them to build a homemade tank, <laughs> you got <laughs> you gotta figure it out. So so um Kitzolt, this this town, that that video was from a few years ago. What's going on with mm-hmm. it now? I mean, is he is he is it literally is it still sitting empty? What's the deal? He pays people to maintain it, and he's made slight adjustments and renovations. He's starting. He wants to refurbish all the houses and furnish them, um, like from the inside out. He's done some stuff, but it's still like I don't think he might have a caretaker living there. But there's some videos of people who've gone up in the past year and explored and it just it's empty it everything's like open they all the doors are unlocked and they go in some of them and it's just everything's really well maintained there's no graffiti there's nothing broken everything's pretty much ready that is um, that is so unusual i you know i, mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask you why are you interested in this and I, i'm still going to ask you but I feel like I kind of understand, <laughs> but I want to, I mean, I understand now why I'm into it. I want to know what was your thinking, you know, when I, I asked people to come on this podcast and, and, and if you're the, the, the fellows, you know, writing the, the Kitzalt musical, we you know, would love to have you on. Let's, let's extend this. Let's keep this going. We make a theme. Um, you know, but I asked people, you know, send me something you love, like a piece of media, a movie, a book. So this, this, I, you know, caught me a little by surprise. So what's the, what's the, um, I guess the compulsion here. What is it about this that, yeah. that gets you kind of fired up? 
I, I can't believe I haven't been there yet. I've been here two and a half years. And it, it's only two hours away. People are driving two days to get here. The video I saw. Um, I just want to go kick it in a ghost town <laughs> while I still can. <laughs> you, could, you could make some amazing pieces. You could get some pictures right, and, yeah. and yeah, some photography. and photographer. Do some, so, yeah. yeah, just spend all day, possibly an overnight visit. Seems very easy to spend a night there unnoticed right yeah you want to be safe obviously but uh you know Mm -hmm. i i I think uh the worst the worst thing would be maybe the bears you'd have to watch out for the bears right yes yeah a lot of black bears. this is interesting Um, this is it's so close they they were saying this in the piece that's so close to alaska um it's quite close to juno looks like it's closer to juno than it is to vancouver mm mm-hmm yeah yeah Wild. I'm about two hours from Alaska, um, a place called Hyder, Alaska. It's right on the border. Oh, yeah. One of the ways that doesn't have a border protection, like one of them you can just go, but you have to go on the way back, I guess. Oh, I see. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this is such a, a, a funky part of the world, too. It's a part of the world that I don't. It doesn't often cross my mind. I mean, maybe you think about Vancouver periodically, but I mean, just the place names here, too, are so fascinating. All these uh, kind of Native American names mixed in with more Anglo stuff. Very, very fascinating. I wonder what the, what's the climate like in, in Kitsalt? Does it get cold or, or, or is it not so bad because of the, you know, you're right on the ocean? <clears throat> mm. Yeah, the winters are milder up here, just out in the mountains. Um, I assumed because it's so close, it would be just like here, which is... um, I'd have to convert... Yeah, I mean, but it's it's not like... It's not... It doesn't get like absolutely bitter freezing cold, quite like maybe... No. Like the plains or anything. it's above freezing usually. Um, mm. This is so interesting. The website is. <laughs> I'm at kitsult.com, and uh, doesn't look like it's fully responsive. Uh, I could help with that, but uh, <laughs> and it's it's literally just this guy. It's like Chandra Krishnan <laughs> Kitsult about us, the owner. Fascinating. Yeah, he was born in southern. Thirty three degrees Fahrenheit. So ah. Oh well, that's not. I switched it. Up. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that for the. For the, for the <laughs> the philistines down here in in the u.s um yeah it's, it's such a pain in the ass uh, you know my my screenwriting partner is um well she's not british she, but she's she lives in london and it's like we, I, we're constantly neither of us is ever going to bother to really fully learn the other system <laughs> it just it just it's like we are at a point in my life i'm closer to 40 than 30 and it's just it's never going to happen i'm never really going to internalize what celsius means i i have a phone yeah, I'll just I you know sw- uh, swap it. Wow, fascinating! International Man of the Year 2016. This guy. Ah. Yeah, he's he's about it. Yeah. All right. I you know I I I, I would love to see. I would love to visit Kitsall. That'd be a fun. That'd be a fun thing to do. Um, you if you go, you got to take some pictures, and um, you know uh, we'll share them on the on the website. Just wild. I I, you know, I love people with visions and strange dreams uh and this guy is obviously bankrolled he's he's got something like 70 companies they said and and who knows what he's up to now but what a strange (laughs) thing that's what i want to figure out (laughs) yeah a strange thing kind of like a like a bee to get in your bonnet like 
it must be it must be gorgeous uh, up there. It has to be. I mean, the pictures are incredible. Kitsalt.com. How did you first find out about it? Was it through the news story? It was through that news story. It was before I was living up here too. Um, so yeah, I gotta get up there. Yeah, yeah it's just have... through that. Um, if it's two hours away, you don't have any excuses. I mean, that's I know. know. You can, you I can... just have to wait for the road to thaw out. Oh boy, it's like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Tell me again, where were you from prior? Where I was were you from? Mm-hmm. Toronto. Ah, from Toronto. Gotcha. That's not too far from New York. You meet a lot no. of pe- you meet a lot of people out here with uh, with Toronto connections. Never been, uh, but it's <laughs> Toronto's a big city. It's like five million people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Yes. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. What What else to say about Kitzold? I mean, is there <laughs> is there some particular thing that strikes your imagination about it? Um, other than just. Before I saw the updated, the people that went last year, there was there had been nothing. There was just the one video on it, and I had assumed that there was a bunch of scientists and artists living up there <laughs> in like a magical, merry way. And I was like really keen on figuring it out. But now that I know it's still just empty, then it's still like a, it's a different adventure. But uh, no, that's uh, that covers kits all. <laughs> This is fascinating. I may go down this Kitsalt rabbit hole. I'm looking at the Eventbrite page for the, you know, Kitsalt, a new Canadian musical. And uh, I may have to reach out to these these dudes and see if uh, see if we can find them. Because uh, that is, that's wonderful. Let's see here. What are they saying? Oh, it looks like a lot of these things are... Uh, Maybe a little old, but let's see if I can get to the bottom of what's what's actually going on. Oh yeah, the CBC. Carl Pusel. Pusel. What a funny thing. <laughs> like the town may never come back, but it may end up being a musical. That's a, this is maybe the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> is there a Tim Hortons there? <laughs> um Kitsalt BC was built, settled, and abandoned. Abandoned in three years, uh, just like my marriage, uh, <laughs> my first marriage, <laughs> and stands to this day. Uh, um, so strange. <laughs> Fascinating. Where would you stay? I guess you could just walk into one of these little houses. That's the plan. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Yeah. I guess you could throw up a tent too, but it'd probably be safer to be inside one of the dwellings. Yeah, I think given the Yeah, bear, there is lots of bears there. Yeah, the bear situation. Ghost town is such a strange idea. And you yeah, I never would have imagined there that there would be anything quite like this on, on the North American continent. It's so it's such a to it's totally a city. There they have all of the sort of things you would it's not like a little stretch where there are, you know, some houses and an old post office and a school. It's like, there's a bowling alley. There's, you know, a mall, all of that. Kind of wild. Weird. Yeah. This guy, (laughs) what a quirky thing to think like, ah, this is what I'm going to devote my golden years to. (laughs) It struck something deep within him. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and, and these guys, yeah, this is hilarious. Uh, these poor, these poor uh, 
music theater artists. Uh, oh, look at this. The Maple Leaf Pub. The the pub that was in town. There's a little... Oh, I'm right. On, yeah. I'm on the this... Pub. Yeah, I'm at this CBC story that's like, we had the last drink in the Maple Leaf Pub, and it's everybody signing. Everybody signed the, you know, uh, this thing. Uh, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, too. This is just fascinating. Wild. Yeah, I wonder what the musical is going to be like. I may reach out to those guys. That would be a fun thread to sort of unravel. Hopefully, they're able to get a production, and it's and it's good. Um, yeah, that's some very, you know, heavy Canadian stuff. Um, I'm also waiting for the same road to thaw out to, there's a bridge in Hyder, Alaska. It's the bridge, um, forget the name, but it's a bear viewing bridge mm. and it's over where the bears are eating the salmon. So you're able to like watch and they're all full up. So they don't generally have a problem with the bears coming on the bridge although i saw a video where a black bear came on the bridge and everyone had to exit then they had to exit the bear <laughs> so i don't know if it's <laughs> foolish or also just a or a good photography situation a bear watching bridge i remember i remember at one point i was, uh, was driving through banff and saw some very serious bears there's something about yeah there was there was a kid over in new jersey i think a few years ago there had been more bear attacks and uh i think some kid got got chased down what do they say to do when you get attacked by a bear run faster than the next guy that's that's number one <laughs> what, it, what what else do you do throw some mushrooms at it hope it gets enlightened and <laughs> <laughs> black bears are the ones you can you can take on they'll usually just do a bluff and leave and then yeah grizzly or brown you're just and polar bear especially you're just done usually just a hole in the ground and play dead usually they'll try to like bury their dead so you have a, a time frame that you could possibly get away if you did fake it but yeah, oh, you can so, fight a black bear. Right. So if you can you can fight a black bear. Oh, this is awesome. We're getting yeah. to some like bear jujitsu <laughs> stuff here. You can fight a black bear. Polar bears, you're 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 done. Just hope global especially warming done. gets them. Yeah. You're especially done if you meet a polar bear. Did did the people did people did people ever hunt polar bear? Probably not. It's gotta be a better way to make a living. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. But, I don't know. Interesting. I, yeah, I, so you, so it's lie in the ground, play dead. That's the that's the move for grizzly. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That is sort of cover a, your vitals. Mm-hmm. Cover your vitals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my whole there's not a part of me that isn't vital. I. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got a certain level. That reminds me of of, of one of my favorite films of, of Grizzly Man. That's quite a, that's quite a good movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. How long has it been since you've seen that? 2012 probably was the last time. Oh, I might have to rewatch that. I can't I forget it. it. Oh, it's it's unforgettable. It's fresh Van- in my mind. <laughs> Vanner Herzog is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. You're actually you live in a place where you know the, you probably see bears, correct? Correct. Wow. Right at the window. Yeah, it's kind of wild. We forget these things. I remember I took a hike through upstate Minnesota at one point, and. Uh, you know, you sort of, and it was a longer hike than we had anticipated. And you kind of get into the woods, and all of these old vibes, these old feelings, which for me are they're called. It's all sort of tied up in childhood and everything too. Just sort of like the. So I didn't grow up in the most ur- urban place at all. So we would, we would go exploring and this and that, and you get that little 
twitch of um, animal awareness uh, out of getting out of a city. And we're so coddled, right, in, in these cities. I mean, uh, I can get Thai food at any hour <laughs> delivered. <laughs> and I'm not fucking worried about bears. <laughs> you know? And then you start walking through the woods and you go, whoa, this is this is pretty real. And and you think about the scope of human history and and of time. And it just was not that long ago that the implications of the natural order, you know, informed every step of, of your day, practically. We're so fortunate. Our brains are too big, though. Our brains kind of we've ended up eating ourselves with our own <laughs> our own minds. Right. So anxious. I'm so anxious. Like, well. You know, we you, we we were wired to have more immediate things to worry about than the mortgage. <laughs> and I'm rambling now, but uh, yeah, I can I, I just I can just feel that little thing with you think you know, I because I remember that hike thinking like, what the fuck? What would I do if there was a bear? I thought that I had to go like, holy shit, this is like there's it could be pretty fucking real. It used to be wolves wolves you would go out you didn't know is gonna be a fucking wolf is gonna come and grab me or you hear these stories occasionally too about like in california people leave their leave a child out and it's just gone and they think it's cougar or something or whatever you heard those stories not a not leaving a child out (laughs) well you know yeah i've heard coyotes nipping up little dogs left and right i'm dealing with a pack of coyotes right now they've been They've jumped over into my yard and have been out there with the dog and stuff. They're just, they're these tiny little ones too. Um, they were, they're never usually an issue. There's lots of guard dogs here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. The dogs and wolves aren't, and the black bears aren't an issue. Just one night last winter, one dog got eaten <gasps> by mountain lion. Holy so shit. That's, yeah, that's the real... That's the real freaky one out there that I fear yeah. to run into. Which, wow. like, I don't think, I don't know. Apparently, they, I don't know, they're always watching you. <laughs> no matter, like, you'll never be able to see them, but they can always see you. Who, what, mountain lions? The the cats? It, yeah. yeah Any right. big cat, really. They're just, they're stalking you, and they just watch you, and uh. you'll never see You'll never see it coming before you know it. It's just right on no. you, and you're, it's got your neck, and it's jaws that's terrifying <laughs> i was checking footprints last like every time it snowed which was every day last winter we had an unusually hard winter but uh it was a lot of moose some wolves and then just one day once was like the very in every foot in front of each other with, like a little sway of a tail too so it was just one night did a did the mountain lion like walk out back here it still it still was here but uh it was just once, so I'm hoping they set up shop far away. <laughs> yeah, that can that probably gets <clears throat> into your head, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you have firearms. You have weaponry. I don't. Mm-hmm. I have a machete and bear spray. <laughs> I'm out with dog. What kind of machete? I have a machete too. I found a machete. I found it. It was like a video game where I leveled up because I had nothing previous. And I was like, this is amazing. And I went out and bought one since. I don't know why I didn't, but there was, I have two now. That's um, amazing. Wow, you can, you can double, a double wield. 
A what? Right. No, right. A Gerber. It's Ger- like the baby food. Yeah. Gerber. Uh... Ma- Gerber makes machetes. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, a knife company, I guess, as well. <laughs> I think we got a show That's title there. That's a show title right there. Gerber makes machetes in Terabang? <laughs> question mark exclamation point. What the fuck? <laughs> I have the uh, I have a uh, the, the handle is not a very serious handle. I don't think they really invented it to kill zombies, but it's called the Zombie Killer Machete, and I and you can look it up. It's quite fun. I bought it because it was outlawed in London, and I just I, I just thought it was hilarious to to own it. <laughs> and I just I love to have something that you know I'm I'm I have daddy issues. As soon as you tell me I can't have something, yeah, fuck Do you. Do you ever take it into? Any wood situation? Did you have wood? <laughs> if I ever there? visited Kitsalta, you know, no. But whenever right, I go to the yeah. whenever I go to the Bronx, I, I definitely have it. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> right. in my in my in my trench coat. Um, you know, I was telling you through that about that walk walk through the woods, and this funny thing happened where, uh, you know, we we get on the trail and we're we again underestimated how long this would be it didn't have a sense and before we and it was too late to sort of go <laughs> whoa you know what what's you know we're gonna have to you know turning around is gonna be more of a an issue here we're gonna have to see this through we have to see it through yeah. and uh this mother grouse hen <laughs> this grouse hen was was on the path and I think we had disturbed its nest or something. And it would not let us pass. It was bopping around and making kind of Rocky Balboa moves. It was making it look like a boxer that like wanted to fight. And it was it was terrifying. <laughs> I learned what, why people say, oh, stop grousing. Because it was this bird. <laughs> it was a very hostile <laughs> bird right in my face. And I'm... And, uh, I believe. Yeah. And I, you know what I did? I took my, I took my shirt off. Uh, and I started waving my shirt around like a lunatic and kind of <laughs> thwapping it at the grouse, kind of at the ground <laughs> yeah, until yeah. it finally went Boring. away. I, that was, I, I, that was more adrenaline than <laughs> I ever felt in the theater. That was real. <laughs> that got real. Although if I see okay. Kitzalt, the, the musical, maybe my, my, you know, I'll start to. That that will surpass the the grouse scene. Yeah, that was a real <laughs> thing. Um, cool. So the second thing you you shared with me was an article. An, it's like a yeah, an article about India declaring dolphins to be non-human people. Is that right? Yeah, in the past time, I think it was twenty thirteen. It was. Dolphins as non-human persons, and yeah, and it did. It's uh, no captivity, no entertainment, no murder. Like it's passed. It's a thing there. Um, <clears throat> they're hoping to bring it to other places, of course. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I'm friends with Phil Dimmers, who is the Walrus Whisperer. He's being sued by Marineland right now. He was a trainer there, and uh, he's helping. And 
orca, dolphin, walrus, any, I guess, big mammal captivity. Um, Canada passed this year, uh, we'll be shutting down, like, our versions of SeaWorld and stuff slowly. So it's crazy that he's being sued by them right now because they're, they're, they're in their end stage right now. Um, I mean, if you... You won't be able to have a dolphin. You won't be able to have anything. Right. I mean, if you own SeaWorld stock right now, you're in a you know blockbuster video in 2004 situation, I think. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's about where they are. Um, <clears throat> I learned that dolphins were re-entrants. They're, they went land to water. Whoa. Which, like, is insane. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Their fins are formed like bones, like fingers uh, and bones. Where? They said that they were more like a, a weird wolf creature on Ooh. land originally. Whoa. You can yeah, just anywhere look up dolphins being re-entrants. <laughs> what do you... Wow. I didn't know. Yeah. Land to water. Re-entrants. That's so interesting. Maybe Maybe they discovered something about the water. Yeah, dolphins evolve. They say they're yeah. intelligent. So. Right. So I think it's self-evident why you're interested in this, uh, but I'd like to hear more. Yeah, seven mind-boggling dolphin facts. Strange. <laughs> they evolved from land-based animals. They didn't always live in the water. Huh. Even-toed un- ungulates, which had hoof-like <laughs> toes at the end of each foot. Around 50 million years ago, they decided the ocean was better. Probably better food, more food, probably safer. They stay awake for weeks on end. I have friends like that. Um, <laughs> aren't they, don't they also have, not to go right to the gutter, but don't, don't they also have like kind of a weird sex life? Like they sort of, aren't they one of the only an- other animals we know that sort of just does it for fun like we do? Have, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they have sex for fun, not just for reproduction. Jeez. So like, Clear right. their dolphin minds. <laughs> Clear their dolphin heads of their dolphin stress. <laughs> they get high on puffer fish. They like intentionally get the toxin out of it so they can get high on puffer fish. I saw that. I saw that go around yeah. recently. Yeah, dolph- they're definitely right, yeah. they're definitely non-human people. Come on. If yeah. you're yeah. They like to fuck they sound like they sound like party animals. They sound like they're, you know, ready to party. I'm into that. Uh, that's so funny. So, so you, you mentioned that Canada's re- removing SeaWorld or your equivalent, what, what's it called? Marine land. A, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Marine land. Um, yeah. Bill S, uh, two zero three for capture, um, breeding entertainment purposes. It's, it's now criminal code. Um, it's go. It's it's the bill's finalizing right now, so there, there'll be a lot of noise about it when it passes. But it's basically like, it's yeah, it's in the bag. <laughs> Where it it's been like maybe ten years of on and off trying to get it through, probably longer than or mm-hmm. twenty twelve years. Mm-hmm. This busted off. So, well, what was that? It was that documentary, Blackfish, that woke Blackfish. people to. Yeah, yeah, that was so interesting too. I don't think it made the Oscars. I don't even think it made the nomination 
uh, for best documentary, even though it, it was probably the most socially impactful documentary of that year. Certainly yeah. one of the had a big effect on people. Uh, you think about what it looks like to have a middle class lifestyle in North America in the 80s. And a part of that ritual of growing up would have been something like a visit to SeaWorld, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they always covered it with this veneer of ecology and they do in in a way they're sort of the first well not the first but they're they're an example of like quote unquote woke capital right so what are you really giving us you're giving us a circus where we have non-human performers <laughs> like and we're cashing in big but we we polish the turd with science and we're here we're giving back and we're blah 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 but in reality you're you're keeping these these if not sentient sentient highly intelligent creatures as a sort of it's like a slave in a way obviously you wouldn't want to conflate it with humanity but nevertheless and that that really Mm -hmm. affected people uh that documentary was was really well made obviously it was um they had a an agenda but boy i mean it really seems to be making an impact i mean if canada's shutting it down what what, what's going to replace that i wonder is it going to be more um because people are still going to want to see those animals so i suppose i suppose right now like if you owned a chart, Ripley's open an aquarium and it's like a like coral and special sea fish and like it's a bunch of fish. They do have some sharks, but yeah, like special, just specialty settings, plants, small. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be filling up maybe that. It's a, yeah, the Ripley's Aquarium in Toronto. It's newer, so. Hmm. I yeah. Don't know how yeah. Much. That. I mean. Yeah. You're right. Stuff like that will probably take over. And then I guess if you're going to want to see orcas, it's it's you're going to have to um, going to have to go out of your way. You're going to have to get on like a charter. Maybe they'll figure out some some move where they can do something where they can be on display but not tortured for the extent of their lives and removed from their pods <laughs> and and made but to do. They put. They put. What? Yeah. They, all the. Most of the creatures are on doped up on antidepressants. I don't have the right words. I don't know the exact uh, pills or dosage or Jeez. names. Really? Kind of thing, but yeah, yeah. Wow. What is this? It tells you something about our modern our modern world where we don't just want the creatures to exist as they exist. It's got to be this elephant man kind of situation where it's like, no, do tricks. I want you to do tricks for me. I want you to, I want, it, it's really kind of, I mean, it's very reactionary when you think about it. Like, we're, you're at a circus, but we're going to polish it and cover it with this veneer of being something else. But we're, what are we really doing? We're celebrating our mastery over nature. We're celebrating our ability to, to relate to these animals, but also to get them to serve our whims for pleasure. It's a... Uh, so very clearly a pretty dark underbelly to, to that whole thing. I think we'll look back on it and, and go, wow, just another example of something something strange that, that uh, was, was faddish and sort of became passe. That's uh, a great example of a documentary really making a difference. Um, mm. I'm, I'm going to look up. Uh, so this guy, is you're friends with a guy who's passionate about walruses? Yeah, he worked for Marineland from twenty from two thousand to twenty twelve, and then he saw like 
just the horrible stuff from the inside out. So he's he's a whistleblower. He there's a small documentary on him. He's been on Joe Rogan twice. Um, he's he Marineland just was ordered to pay 12k of his legal bills this month or last month, I guess. Um, so that's like a small victory just happened in the past couple of weeks. They've been at it back and forth for a couple of years. No. What what's the fellow's name? I'm gonna listen to one of his Rogan episodes. It's a uh, Phil. His last name is D E M E R S, and he's Walrus underscore Whisper on Instagram and on Twitter. Cool. Yeah, That's he's a- he's trying to he's trying to save his yeah his Walrus his Walrus uh, that he worked with for many years. It imprinted on him. They did like a CBC. Thing before all the badness and <laughs> they just had this they had this very special unique relationship and that was like celebrated and uh, documented and then he got out of there and he's been trying to fight to get just the help though walrus her name's smooshy this guy this guy i followed him right now on the the twitters this guy bonded with a walrus and now yeah, when he's, was, that's super cool. It's fighting from the outside. That's wonderful. I wonder what that's like. I've never met a walrus. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, yeah, what a strange thing. Where's Marineland? It's, it's, it's just outside of Toronto. In, it's outside of Niagara Falls. Ah, just in that area, yep. Cool. Uh, the owner passed away last year, so a lot of this stuff is going to fall probably a lot faster. And, yeah, this, and the bill passing, Sweet. so they got two huge strikes. There's usually protests going on outside there on weekends. Um, nice. Cool. Seems like a yeah. nice guy. I'm going to – seems like an interesting dude. I'm going to check him out uh, – and I'll listen to that that Rogan episode as well. This is the this is what's great about this podcast for me is like that's the whole idea is like you know let's get turned on to uh, to, to different things. I had never thought about the drugging situation of these animals. I'm looking right now. I'm on this. Uh, Sometimes they like burn them with chlorine by accident or whatever, just trying to clean the yeah. water and this is from antidepressants, yeah. antibiotics. Just you have to keep them pumped full of stuff. Or it's the the dolphin that John C. Lilly used for his in-house dolphin experiment. Um, dolphins can choose to stop breathing. It's not auto. They have to choose to breathe in and out. And after all the experiments were over, um, they shipped them to this crappy bank place. They talk about it in uh, the New Drunk History. Duncan Trussell. He talks about it a little. But uh, the dolphin Peter just stopped breathing, just went to the bottom of its tank and stopped breathing and killed itself after they changed everything and it changed its environment and took him away from the human that it was possibly in love with or at least friends with. Margaret uh, Love. My my mother's (laughs) name was Margaret. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And, and people don't know for people who don't know about, uh, what is it? What's this? Lily? What's his first name? John C. Lily. Right. John C. He invented float tanks and yeah, gave LSD to dolphins. (laughs) 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 Let's talk about that. (laughs) Go on. He invented float tanks in the early fifties and the government 
came to them, they wanted to use them not as a torture tool, but as a tool for cognitive liber liberation because they were scared at the end of the Korean War that some some of the people had been brainwashed and their government was, you know, they were doing like the MK Ultra stuff and they were obsessed with brainwash. Right. Um, <clears throat> so they thought maybe like because he's had these profound breakthroughs with his float tanks and like. PTSD and everything, they thought maybe they could use them to help soldiers um, mm. break through brainwashing and stuff. So they were interested in that from the beginning. Um, but yeah, he was he was funded by the government to try to, they were trying to communicate with dolphins. They were trying to actually teach them words, which they said they had a couple, like go and hello. Um, NPR did a good episode that got me interested called hello i believe um it gets into the big scandal was that the woman working with the dolphin ended up giving them dolphin hand jobs to relieve them so they could go back to teaching so that always like and then uh, playboy or hustler did an article on it in the 70s and it was just it all got perverted and just taken oh, that direction oh boy well, yeah, but there's so much like good salacious. information in here yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah, they built that like a, a apartment, a water apartment. She had like her little bed above his. She just get she cut off her hair because she just hop in, swim around with them every day, all day. Um, try to teach him English. They'd give him LSD and try to communicate. John Lilly had built this computer program called Janus, mm -hmm. um, and it yep. like you'd feed in dolphin sounds and it would try to match it with human words and stuff. So like they were really, they were trying every angle to, he really desperately wanted to communicate with dolphins. Um, he thought they were, he thought they were smarter than humans. He had this um, experience in the sixties too, where he injected himself with LS, with LSD. Um, they took a boat out. This is before he like got his government, access dolphin apartment stuff so this is what started he wanted just to get in the water and see if he could have an experiment or an experience with dolphins <clears throat> he did he, he's hopped in and two dolphins eventually came over they're hanging out um and then a whale appeared where he has this quote he said uh the whale zapped me um i've never had such a powerful blast of mental tele telepathic information being shot into my brain for 20 minutes, she riveted my attention. She had one eye turned up looking at me, and then she just dropped down into 12,000 feet of water and disappeared. I've never had such an experience since then. Mm. He just Yeah, he was, bla he was blasted with telepathic information from Whoa. a whale. Wow. And it, like, started his, yeah, he needed more. <laughs> That'd be. He's from, uh, he was born in St. Paul. I did not know that. Uh, Dr. John Lilly, St. Paul, Minnesota, born on January 6th, 1915. He lived to, to a good old age. He died at 86 in uh, September of 2001, just after 9-11. Died in L.A. The Sega game Echo. Do you remember Echo? The I Sega fucking game? loved that, that game. Yes. That is from, that's after John C. Lilly. The creator said that he's never dropped acid, but he read a lot of John C. Lilly books. I want to so, play Echo the Dolphin <laughs> I right play. now. It's so calming and soothing. That game was the reason to get the Genesis. 
that they had proprietary they had that if i'm not mistaken it may have been on pc yeah no it was that was a sega game that was one of those back when you had you know consoles for everything you you had to have the the genesis and you had to have the snes at the same time Mm -hmm. Because you had to play Echo the Dolphin. That was one of those get the console <laughs> games. I'm not kidding. You're, I'm having flashbacks uh, to a, at a level that are, you know, yeah, crazy. That's <laughs> I hard. looked up the Echo trailers the other day. They're pretty good to watch for oh, the game, like the commercials. I am going to, I am. I may have to get an emulator <laughs> and play some of this. Soothe yourself. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, you're right. It was very soothing, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, for those... If you never played Echo the Dolphin on Sega Genesis, you're probably still in your 20s. <laughs> that, that game was awesome. That's so fascinating. Well, you know, and of course, Rogan is huge into the float tank. I've never done I've never done one, and I've never done acid with a dolphin. Uh, but these are this is such an interesting thread to un, unravel because you know, we I think we take for granted how much or maybe we take for granted the the ways in which the acid culture have gone mainstream you you know timothy leary was very interested in tech and how and the internet and that it was going to bring psychedelic consciousness into the mainstream you can make a very compelling argument that the acid nerds won and kind of run the world now in a way. Apple's the most valuable company in the world, isn't it? One of the, and that was founded by heads. You know, Steve was uh, Steve did acid, a lot of acid. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you read the the Jobs biography? That's worth reading. No, I did not read it. That is really worth reading. It's fascinating. Oh, we got a, we got a hand dog there. Yeah, we do. What's the pup's name? Bodie. All right. I'll grab him, maybe. I don't know. No, he's good. Have you have you done a float tank? I have not. I, that's It was on my list of things to do this summer when I'm not here anymore. Um, I'm very excited to do it. <laughs> I've never done it. My friend owns a place in New Jersey, Tom. Oh, yeah? We're in we're in yeah. New Jersey. He is. Let me. Yeah, find out because I you know if you could maybe make an introduction, I'd go out there. I'm looking at a guide it's to float. Mm-hmm. Sorry, his uh his Twitter is float s n j. So like floats New Jersey basically. It's on the float place is on Marlinton, or on Maple Ave. In Marlin, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, there are places in New York to do this as well. Hmm. He was a he was a Twitter friend. Uh, I started following him in 2012, and he worked at a bank. And then he uh, had some great psychedelic experiences. Qu- quit his job and opened up a successful float tank studio, and it keeps growing. He he's always updating it. It was really cool to watch, like over the years. Love it. How it started, how it ended. You know very interesting people, many of whom <laughs> it, it seems from the internet. And, it, you know, Twitter can be good. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. All of them. Yeah. 
it's a it's a good way to connect with people. It, it you know it really is. If you you're gonna get out of it what you give, and uh, it's interesting to think about. I'm looking up where this float tank is that your buddy runs. It's in Marlton, New Jersey. I don't know where that is. I would love to do a float, and I wonder what it would do to my hyperactive brain. <laughs> yeah, they they lower stress, uh, lower anxiety. Good for people with depression. Uh, balances your hormones, I guess. The, the Epsom salts replenish the magnesium levels you need in your body, um, which encourage serotonin production. So elevates your mind, reduces stress, improves sleep quality, general optimism. They say it like yeah, up to like four months after. So once every three months seems like something I'm really interested in when I'm living near a place that has it. <laughs> yeah, I'm beginning to think uh, I don't have any excuses. I'm looking at... Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, there are places you can do it in New York for, you know, it's going to be like $100 or whatever, but I bet it would be very good for me. Ah, I... A lot of people take edibles. Okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah, just to try it first would be fun. Uh, yeah, I think I think I would go in without any substances the first time <laughs> just to get my bearings yeah. and then and then sort of hey. see how I feel. So much fun. I am going to do this. You know, I, I make this promise on this I'm episode. Good. I will do We're it. And good. before, yeah, you do it too. And b- but before we, we do another podcast down the line, because you, you have to be a recurring guest, uh, I will float and I will report uh, my experiences about it. Hey, yeah. I may, I may also give a hand job to a dolphin. but first i have to get a dolphin do you know where i can find one uh yeah that's such a strange story you were saying duncan trussell talked about it on on drunk history yeah they just did one him and dr drew this month or last month i think Uh, that's so cool you know you know how i first heard about lily was through his book tanks for the memories uh, and it was E.J. Gold. Have you ever read any E.J. Gold? No, I haven't. He wrote a book called The Human Biological Machine as a Transformational Apparatus. He's another one of these ah, guys. That's, yeah, that's what Lily wrote about. Yeah, right. And he, no, I think he co-authored the book with Lily, the Tanks for the Memories book. But um, uh, E.J. Gold is essentially a Gurdjieffin. So he was a big Gurdjieff guy, and there was a long time when I was really into that stuff, and still am to a degree. Uh, the music is incredible. If you can get your hands on like the the music that Gurdjieff composed and made with Tomas de Hartmann on Spotify, it's, I think it exists, and it's just this gorgeous piano music. Uh, and the Gurdjieff stuff also th- you know floats through the culture in more ways than you would expect. It's out there. They're still performing the music in certain cities and it's always kind of there in in the underground right next to a lot of different very interesting things if you've never read about Gurdjieff he's a very very interesting cat have you ever have you ever looked into him yeah I I was sorry if the sound gets weird I was making this book of like esoteric knowledge and I was just putting a a sentence or two about uh, each person and he came up uh, sorry. Can Not you hear all. me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. 
I'm just talking straight to my computer right now. I don't have headphones in. I don't know what happened. It actually sounds pretty good. The quality sounds good. Okay. Today, so don't don't stress out about it. You were saying you were working on this book about esoteria. <laughs> yeah, it was just more of a learning tool for myself. Um, but I believe there's something about him and his writings. Um, I don't want to get it wrong, but... He might have had an argument with Aleister Crowley. I believe and, uh, I believe Crowley visited uh, the okay. uh, the chateau. His house and he I, right. Yeah, uh, that's I, what it is. I think they <laughs> they gave each other the side eye and decided not to become pals. That's what I right. that's what I think. Yeah, and, and something Ger- happened. Gurdjieff was essentially. Christian, an esoteric Christian, and uh, like oh. a mystic Christian, and Crowley was a madman. <laughs> <Crowley>. <laughs> he yeah. was a madman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Though I wonder about Gurdjieff and Crow- Crowley. That'd be an amazing. I, I, I'm starting. Apparently, to... yeah, there was words said to each other. Oh, interesting. Or at least something written down in a diary, a journal. Something was said where, yeah, I, I'm going to find and give it to you later. I'm Just looking at it. Point. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and this might be a great way. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, this, no, I'm good. I'm this might be a great way to to end the episode. Uh, it's been, it's always fun. I really want to do this again. Let's let's try to do it again in like two or three months, and, and maybe we can make that episode about floating. That would that would be cool. When are you going to be able to float? In the summer. Yeah. Cool. We'll figure yeah, it out. Summer. But that'd be fun. So I think you know, let's let's connect after we've both floated, and make the make the episode be partly about that. Did you get to say everything you you wanted to say about Lily and the dolphins and all the rest? Yeah, he he helped pass the for America the Marine Mammal Protection Act Protection Act. Sorry, 1972. So he, I just want yeah. There's good things done. Um, just yeah, Lily. Um, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, cool. I those people yeah. sometimes the people who drop acid are the good ones. I I don't know if we get Sergeant Pepper without. LSD. Uh, all right, so people can find you, and we're gonna we're gonna finish on the, the Crowley stuff. But people can find you at the Peniel Colada on Twitter. Correct? Is yeah, that just Peniel Colada on Twitter? Peniel and Colada. The Peniel Colada on Instagram. Gotcha. I had so. it, and then I got rid of it. Uh, okay. okay, no worries. So yeah, on, on Twitter it's just Peniel Colada, uh, and Kirsten English, fantastic. Um, Great to great to do this episode with you. Let's 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 read about Crowley. Uh, the story of when Crowley met Gurdjieff can be found in James Webb's comprehensive book, The Harmonious Circle. This is a couple paragraphs, but I'm going to read it. I think it's fun. Uh, and this comes from looks like it's somebody's website, Martin Aurelio, and the article is when Crowley met Gurdjieff. And the pictures on this are amazing, too. Like, <laughs> Crowley has these eyes. He has the eyes of a man who's seen far too much weird shit. <laughs> I, Jesus. Well, anyway, Crowley knew the town of Fontainebleau in France well. In 19, 
24, he had spent a tormented period there in an attempt to cure himself of heroin addiction. The Great Beast, Crowley's nickname, uh, was it for himself, was a familiar figure in Paris expatriate circles. And that's actually, that's quite true. He, he makes an appearance in, in Hemingway's A Movable Feast. There's a moment where Crowley walks by and Hemingway or one of the other characters goes, that, that's, that's, that's the famous diabolist. Alistair Crowley. They say he's the wickedest man alive. Uh, quite funny. Anyway, uh, and C.S. Knott met him in the Capitol while himself staying at the Priory. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, Crowley's interest was aroused either by general occult curiosity or by Gurdjieff's reputation as a specialist in curing drug addiction. And he soon afterward turned up at Fontainebleau where, uh, where he was the object of some amazement. To one of the intimates, uh, one of the people who would have been close to Gurdjieff, the wickedest man in the world seemed overfed and inoffensive. With the exception of his almost colorless eyes, the antipodes to Gurdjieff's heavy gaze. The published accounts of Crowley at the Priory speak only of a brief visit and a vaguely sinister impression. Not recorded that Crowley spoke to one of the children present about his son, whom he was teaching to be a devil. Quoting, Gurdjieff got and spoke to the boy, who thereupon took no further notice of Crowley. <laughs> it's a little intervention, like, hey, just, just stay away from this guy. <laughs> but the magician's visit was extensive in his confrontation with Gurdjieff of a more epic nature. This is great. I love this. Crowley arrived for a whole weekend and spent the time, like any other visit uh, visitor to the Priory, being shown the grounds and the activities in progress, listening to Gurdjieff's music and his oracular conversation. Apart from some circumspection, Gurdjieff treated him like any other guest until the evening of his departure. After dinner on Sunday night, Gurdjieff led the way out of the dining room with Crowley, followed by the body of pupils who had also been at the meal. Crowley made his way toward the door and turned to take his leave of Gurdjieff, who by this time was some way up the stairs to the second floor. Mister, you go, Gurdjieff inquired. Crowley assented. You have been guest, a fact which the visitor could hardly deny. Now you go. You are no longer guest. Crowley, no doubt wondering whether his host had lost his grip on reality and was wandering in a semantic wilderness, humored his mood by indicating that he was on his way back to, to Paris. But Gurdjieff, having made the point that he was not violating the canons of hospitality, changed on the instant into the embodiment of righteous anger. You filthy, he stormed. You dirty inside. Never again you set foot in my house. From his vantage point on the stairs, he worked himself up into a rage which quite transfixed his watching pupils. Crowley was stigmatized as the sewer of creation, uh, was taken <laughs> apart and trotted into the mire. <laughs> Finally, he was banished in the style of East Lynn by a Gurdjieff in fine histrionic form. White-faced and shaking, the great beast crept back to Paris with his tail between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is some nerdy shit. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me. I, you know, it was a bit long, but so interesting. Um, I and that that seems to be from the partisan uh, uh, Gurdjieff side of things. I'm sure we could find Crowley's uh, impression, and he probably didn't have much to say. One of my favorite things about Gurdjieff is the um, all the literature around him. He himself is very difficult to read. His material is intentionally obtuse and, and bizarre. Uh, but um, the 
stories of people who were in his circle are fascinating. One really good one is um, Our Life with Mr. Gurdjieff, and it's by Tomas and, and Olga de Hartman, the, the composer. And he was the court composer, the, the final court composer to the czars. And with Gurdjieff's help, they escaped the revolution. They managed to make their way out. Uh, and that's, that story is just epic. And people love to, uh, to trace their lineage back to Gurdjieff if they're, they're students of, of his stuff. And it's sort of almost like a martial arts thing where it's like, oh, I, I studied under this guy. who studied under this guy. And there are different schools and branches and all this. But I love his tradition of uh, toasting the idiots. I think there were something like 21 toasts. Uh, and they would drink Armagnac and toast all the different kinds of idiots that people are. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everybody can relate to that. You're definitely at some point in your life one, uh, if not multiple, kind of idiot. Um, well, thanks so much for coming on. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm talking, talking your ear off now. But um, this is great. I knew we were going to get into onto some interesting things. We talked about a ghost town in B.C., what else did we talk about? We talked about dolphins and, and mm-hmm. mammals, and we talked about the float tank. And re-entrance. We, uh, yeah, re-entrance. Who, <laughs> who knew? How many of those are there? Do we know? I mean, there, there, there can't be that many. Let's see here. Mm. Animal re-entrance. <laughs> we have to get to the end of it right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we're fine. We're winding down. But is there anything else you're dying to say? You know, when you're on the episode, I you know, really appreciate you coming on. I hope you had a good time. It's always a pleasure. Um, you got a fascinating, uh, mind and a, and a great spirit. And I love, I love whenever I see your, your, your work online. Um, yeah, come back. We'll, we'll do this after we both float. We'll do another one. Cool. Sounds good. All right, Kirsten. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Later.